0: Hey all you Rad Dads out there.
1: Hey what's up everybody, Rad Dad Brett here, bringing you another episode of the Rad Dads Show. Today we're bringing you an interview we've been sitting on for a couple of months, but I promise it's worth the wait. Today we're chatting with the legendary Dave Smalley of DYS, Dag Nasty, All, Down by Law, The Bandoleros, and Don't Sleep. In fact, at the time of our chat, Don't Sleep had just released a cover of Tom Petty's Running Down a Dream, so we chatted about that a bit. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. It's so good. Dave and I chat about his experience as a father of five kids, his oldest being 24 and his youngest being five. Some of Dave's older kids are starting to share in his passion for punk rock, and we talked about how they bonded over things like guitars and amps. And his youngest is, of course, keeping him on his toes. But Dave shares some great advice, like how one of the most important roles for dads to fulfill is to be fun and funny, and how he applies the concept of going for all to parenthood and life in general. Speaking of all, we do manage to touch base about the early days of all, as well as the most recent show Dave did with them at the Blasting Room 25th anniversary. I usually try not to nerd out on that stuff, but I kind of couldn't help it here. Dave was a lot of fun and brings some great parenting perspectives in this chat, so kick back. Fill up your bonus cup and enjoy the almighty Dave Smalley on the Rad Dad Show. Yeah, so, so we're, we're kind of all ears. So I, maybe, maybe what I'll do, Dave, is I'll start by saying, "Who are you?" Uh,
0: I am my name, my life, my yeah, so yeah. So, all of them. so my name's uh, Dave Smalley. I am the singer for uh, several bands that have been lucky enough to. Uh, make music that people like, and um, uh, that includes Down By Law, and Don't Sleep, and uh, "All" and uh, Dagnasty, um, The Bandoleros, and DYS, and I'm sure I'm forgetting, you know, somebody, but um, I've been lucky and able to, um, you know, make art for people and and, um, sort of hopefully make a difference for people, including myself and um yeah that's that's who I am on the artistic side
1: yeah so so I I came to know of you because I'm I'm a big fan of all okay Um, so so yeah that that was kind of uh, my first experience with Dave Smalley but then I found out wow like prior to being in all and after leaving all you played in a lot of bands (laughs) you've been busy um yeah man I mean look my my theory is
0: um you know John Adams who is one of our founding fathers um great great man uh, if you ever see the musical 1776 um I've seen it it was really it's a great musical fantastic it was written uh, I think in the 70s and they recorded it and William Daniels is the actor and he plays the character of of John Adams and um the guy who later his name's Ken Howard uh later went on to star in a um TV series in the '70s called "The White Shadow." Um, Ken Howard played the the character of Thomas Jefferson, also a great man, and um, so they they show and Howard de Silva plays um, uh, Ben Franklin, another great man. So so these guys, what they went through to to write the Declaration of Independence and get this whole idea of forming a nation, right? Like we kind of take it for granted, like, you know, we're, we're Canada in this case or U, or U S in my case, you know, so, so it's just, it's there, we just exist, but it all came from like really incredible struggle and, and, and difficulties and not to say they were flawless because they weren't, uh, there are no men who are flawless um, or women, there no humans who are flawless. Um, currently alive, as far as we're aware. So, you know, I mean, uh, so, so, but where I was going with this long winded story is that uh, John Adams had a great slogan, which was, there will be plenty of time for sleep in the grave. (laughs) And I've kind of, and I heard that at an early age, you know, like in my teenage years, and I was always a history buff, you know, so I kind of always just uh, thought, you know, that's a, that's a wicked saying, right? That's, that's it. You know, uh, plenty of time for sleep in the grave.
1: So is know. that where the, the band name Don't Sleep comes from?
0: No. Strangely enough, no. Uh, Tony Bavaria, our uh, rhythm guitar player and sort of like our the hub of our band, Wheel. Um, yep. He came up with that totally uh, separate from any reflections on John Adams. So I'm, the <laughs> only, I'm only one of the few nerds who would actually quote John Adams. So Interesting know.
1: connection, though, right? Like, obviously, right. that statement uh, has stuck with you over the years. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, but the idea being that, you know, look, as far as we know, there are various different interpretations of of religious beliefs in the afterlife and what happens. Some do believe that you come back, but even most of those, you don't come back as who you were. Right. You come back as something else. Like if you were bad, you come back as a mouse or a roach or something. Right. And then if you were good, you, you're closer, one step closer to divinity and you come back in a higher evolved state. You know, that's just one belief. And and there, the Christian belief is you don't come back at all. Your spirit goes to heaven. So this no matter what your belief is, there's there's no belief that says you come back in your exact same form, somehow more wise and more knowing than you were in your previous life. Right. There's no religion that I know of that says you just get to do it over. Right. Right. So if you don't get to do it over, you better press the play button, not the pause button. You better hit the play button because that's it. You know, you get your your eighty years, and if you think about that, okay, you take your eighty years, right? Yeah. First, let's say let's say generously thirteen or fourteen years. You're you're just a kid and you're figuring out who you are, and your last let's say ten maybe years, you're you know, you're, let's say, let be. let's be kind and generous and hopeful and optimistic. And we'll say your last 10 or 15 years, you're, you're kind of chill. You're, you're relaxing. You're, you're enjoying your grandchildren. You're uh, going to coffee at McDonald's with your other retired buddies, you know, whatever it is. So that's, so, so you've got this really narrow window. So if you only got 80 years at first, then you narrow it down by the teen year, by the, by the childhood years, and you narrow it down by your, your latter years, you're talking maybe 40 to 50 years. Yeah. Of, of of high quality productivity and rock you know and and that's not a lot and um so you got to hit the play button not the pause button and I've always kind of believed that so when there was a wave that I could surf I always tried to ride that wave because I always just felt like if it's interesting to me artistically if it speaks to me spiritually in some way um, yeah let's just let's just go for it just go for all right I mean yeah I didn't do an all out of out of any other belief but belief in those three musicians that I was playing with and, yep. and what they represented and who they were as musicians and people. But, but the other side of the coin for me was the whole philosophy of all. I, I bought into that, man. I do still buy into it. And, um,
1: you know, yeah, yeah, as, going for all. as you were kind of describing that, I was thinking, well, this is what he's talking about is going for all. Right. So, so that was, yeah, yeah. that's interesting that you say that. So that's obviously something that like, wasn't just kind of something you adopted as you joined that band that was a philosophy that you identified with already
0: yeah but billy articulated it better than anybody right so you know i wouldn't have ever thought to have put it in those terms and he did and that resonated so well with so many people including me you know but i think the fact that i that i identified with it helped those albums that i did hopefully have some real um uh you know life behind the lyrics and the message of the band because it was all real there was no you know there's no fakeness about it, it was all totally com- total commitment
1: you know? that's certainly the sense that you get as a as a listener to that band i mean and and to those early albums was it was just all about that about going for all right in the beginning that yeah. was just that's what it was all about um and I, you know it, not that that changed over the years but it was just kind of this like encapsulated thing that's like yeah
0: feeling. i mean in 1988 it was 88 89 uh you know those years that i was in um man the you couldn't have found more commitment from four different individuals plus bug and gooch you know our, our road crew so you know we lived on the road almost non-stop we we played every night we you know we we were sometimes fighting the hunger, you know, um, uh, you know, equation. And, um, you know, we were, um, you know, we, we were committed, we really were. And um, it was, it was, a you know, in hindsight, I wouldn't change a single thing, not a
1: thing. And, and did you, did you sort of take that ethos, or, you know, I guess, you know, what you guys had developed in terms of that, that routine and that lifestyle? Did you sort of take that to future projects as well?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, it's interesting because after all, and after having been in, you know, on the road for a year and a half straight almost of my life. And, and, you know, plus when I wasn't on the road, I was in the studio, you know, and, and all these things and, and writing and recording and rehearsing and, you know, living and breathing music for, for two straight years, which was, you know, beautiful thing. Um, and I mean, dawn to dusk and beyond, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so when I started down by law, I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm <laughs> going to call my friends and chemical people. Uh, we're going to, I wrote a few songs. We're just going to kick back and play, you know, no pressure, no schedules. And sure enough, you know, down by law, you know, however many zillions of years later, I'm still in it. We've toured all over the world, right. and the most records of any band that I've been in. So it's funny how life, uh, life wins uh, if you try and buck it. So sometimes <laughs> you've got to just ride the wave. So,
1: so you've been in all these bands. You're also
0: a dad. I am proud, proud and loving father. Yep. Absolutely. So how many, how many children do you have? Dave? So I have uh five altogether, five children. Okay. Yep, I have three, three daughters and two sons.
1: Right on. And uh, yeah, so, cause I, I think I, I've seen some pictures on social media of your, your youngest daughter um, and I kind of identified with some of the things you were talking about on there. You put up a post the other day about, you know, your daughter's fascination with anything to do with poop. And yeah, <laughs> so I have a four year old just about to turn five and uh, yeah, we're certainly having lots of those conversations around our house too. So
0: yeah. And it hasn't been a consistent thing, but it's just like all of a sudden in the last, I'd say couple months, you know, first she discovered the word buttocks cause I used it one day. I said, you know, <laughs> like get off your buttocks or, you know, I was just clowning around telling her she had to go do something or we had to leave or something. And I was just saying in a funny way, cause that's what daddies are supposed to be is funny. Really? Yeah. That's one of their roles. I don't know if everybody realizes that, but one of, one of the roles of a dad is to be fun. You're the fun guy.
1: I'm glad to hear that. Cause that's <laughs> I try and do that. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And they love that. And they need that. You're, you're yeah. filling a, a, a total need for your child by, and I don't mean letting them get away with murder or, or not having discipline or not, you know, sort of, sort of making them, be you know see important responsibilities all that stuff but when a child's 5 years old they just need love and laughter you know mm-hmm. and protection and that's it you know so so uh, anyway so i used the word batox and she yeah. thought that was the funniest thing she just laughed for days and then all of a sudden everything was batox right yeah. and then and then somewhere along the line uh, she she discovered the word poop and for the last couple months it's been um, it's been poop yeah, and there's these. What I didn't have, and I don't, I don't. I mean, you're you're younger than me, I'm sure, but I didn't have when I was a kid so much a variety of toys that poop. Um, <laughs> there's actually a, a lot of there's there's books about poop. Everybody, yeah. you know, who knew? I mean, right, and there there's there's a there's a, a flamingo who poops, and um, uh, there's all kinds of uh, things to do with uh, defecation. So, who knew?
1: Yeah, it's a whole. It's a whole culture i guess that had we known yeah, back these
0: then, guys are really smart the toy makers because they know the kids think it's fascinating and hilarious yeah and they love it. so i'm trying to go with the hilarity of it you know because it's just funny and it's a phase and she'll she'll uh, she'll be done with it hopefully and on to the next phase which will not yeah
1: up. so so what's that like so you've got you've got five kids four of which are kind of like I would say in sort of that similar, um, late teens kind of adult phase and then a a five-year-old now. So that's a big separation between, between those kids. Um, and yeah, you kind of going back to a, a phase you, you know, you kind of finished with, with the previous child a long time ago. So what's that like for you?
0: It's actually really amazing. Um, I'll tell you one thing is that, um, I've every day now I realize is a joy and a pleasure in a way. And I had every day was a joy and a pleasure with my others. Don't get me wrong. I I poured every, every bit of love I have into them. But then I, you know, there are a number of years when they stopped being kids, you know, little kids. And now I've got those little kid days back and it's really a beautiful thing. There's a certain innocence and joy of that young, young childhood. That's like nothing else. And, um, it's So, you know, just reaching down your hand and, and I've been lucky enough to have this now five times, or you reach down your hand and you just feel that little hand go into your hand and yeah. it's total trust and total love. And you know, it, it's, it's like nothing else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is an awesome feeling uh, for sure. I, uh, so I've got a five-year-old and then I've got, well, just about five. And then I've got a just about two-year-old next week. Um, and yeah, those, those moments, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I'm sure obviously it changes as, as they get older and you have those, those different moments, those different, right. Oh yeah.
0: Different, you know, like my, my, uh, 23 year old just texted me uh, a couple nights ago and said, we we're watching Indiana Jones and, uh, the uh, last crusade and nice. I couldn't help but think of you the whole time. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, uh, which is because that's one of my favorite Indiana. It is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. and It's a great, great movie. <laughs> yeah. So, And we watched it, you know, dozens of times when she was little, you
1: know. Yeah. And and are your kids, are they all still kind of around home or?
0: No. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, just finished her master's degree in London. Wow. So she's over there right now. And we're actually a little, I'm actually a little worried about, you know, how she's going to get back uh, with yeah. the COVID shutdowns and stuff because things are, are sort of shutting down more and more there right now so I'm a little worried about that and then um my uh my my next uh, oldest daughter the one I was just mentioning um she lives in Richmond um she finished school down there at Richmond Virginia and she lives there and um so it's not too far it's like an hour and a half from where I am and then um uh the my oldest son lives in Richmond now he's going to school there and then uh my youngest son is is here in Fredericksburg, and uh, he he lives um, uh, he lives with his mom, and so you know, we see each other when we can.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. my, little, my little light went out here. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. There, we got the floating head back. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I was just going to sort of ask you about that, Dave. Like, I can't I can't do the typical rad dad's show script without these days asking about. COVID and what that's been like for your family, how, how you guys have adapted?
0: Yeah, so good question. Unfortunately, it's a good question, right? Um, so um, it's definitely impacted my, my oldest daughter that I mentioned. Um, she is she got her master's degree and um, it's not phrased quite this way, but it's in international travel, right? Like okay. what a terrible time to get yeah. your degree in international travel oh, and man. In the world is shut down. And um, there is no international travel. And so, um, you know, she has marketing and she has she's a great uh, sense of design. She's an excellent photographer. So she's got a whole and she's a very good writer, actually, as well. So she's got a whole host of other talents that she can rely on. But um, COVID has, you know, absolutely decimated her career plans now for now. You know, we'll hope that it you know, that it goes away and that, it you know, that the world goes back to to normal. Um, But for right now, it's major impact um my 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 other daughter same thing um you know no places are are hiring right because uh, any small business is struggling just to survive right most most big businesses are just trying to hold on as well you know so it's um it's got a it's got a real impact and then you know for my for my little one um she is just now they opened up the playgrounds and things like that so um I hope that they don't shut them again if the cases go the wrong way, you know, the numbers. But um, she's uh, she's happy because finally she can go to the playground, you know. But the, all of that being said, and, and all of the um, absolute tragedy of anyone losing, you know, losing a battle to this stupid, horrific disease, right? But that being said, we are all incredibly lucky that in a pandemic period where we had to stay in our homes, we got to... Granted, there are exceptions and I'm praying for everybody who isn't able to stay at home. In a, but for most people, most people are able to stay in their homes, you know, with, you know, TV and, uh, you know, maybe air conditioning, hopefully. And yeah. I'm not talking about living in a mansion, you know, like a movie star or something. Yeah. I just mean the basic level of of comfort, for lack of a better word, for most, you know, Western people you know, societies and, and eastern, you know, wherever, it doesn't matter. It have to be Western, it could be anywhere, but modern day, let's put it that way. Modern day life compared to like um, um, my partner and I watch the um, little house on the Prairie a lot okay. with our, with our daughter. Right. You watch those guys, man, they, they would get a fever and people would just die. Yeah. Right. They, they didn't have antibiotics. You know, they didn't have, you yeah. know, the, the way they would keep the fever down was to go out onto the frozen lake. If it was in the winter and crack the ice with their picks and carry the ice back to the house. I mean, these things that we don't even think about, you know, um, so it's a horrific time in in many, many senses, but also do be grateful if you're able to have a, you know, a semi-normal existence trapped in your modern day home with some of the, um, conveniences, I guess is a lack of a better word, but you know, that, that people, in history have never had, you know, all those people in the Spanish flu and the early 1900s, like they didn't have that, you know, there, there was a dirty, grimy time and, you know, there was hygiene was different and, uh, things that we take for granted, you know, a dishwasher, whatever. Um, they didn't have that. So, um, I'm, I do stop sometimes and say, I'm really grateful that I can, I can do a podcast interview with you. Yeah. And, and that's pretty incredible compared to what people have had. So is it good? No, it's horrible. Right. Yeah. That's, what that's saying, but I do think sometimes we need to stop and take a deep breath and say, whoa, you know, we are lucky that if this had to happen, maybe that it happened where we could, you know, still uh, to put on the TV or whatever, you know, things yeah. that we just don't even think about because they're, they're nothing Or I can go on the internet. Like, yeah, think about it. Cause that's like breathing for us now, but it wasn't always. So
1: yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, COVID sucks. Well, you're kind of talking about perspective, right? And how, yeah. uh, like, and, and I think people have been, have, everybody's like struggling to f- find that perspective because in many ways this whole thing has been so devastating. And for, for some populations, some people, way more than others, for sure, more than you and I, it sounds like. Um, you know, but it's, I guess, finding that perspective and f- trying to find some of those maybe silver linings. Like I know, you know, f- for me and, and some of the uh, other dads I've talked to, you know, it's been, well, geez, I've been working from home. And so I've, I've seen my kids way more than I did before, yeah, you know, absolutely. whatever, it whatever it is. And, and the, a yeah, huge, huge plus, a huge plus. Absolutely. A, a, yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's okay to acknowledge those pluses in, in the context of all of these. Minors, right. The loss, right? Of
0: even, the loss of even one person is, is more than we should ever, for sure, that we can't, we can't even accept the loss of one. I refuse to accept that the loss of one is okay. It's not, it just isn't right. right. So, so you say that, but then as, as I'm, you know, as we've just been discussing there, you know, otherwise we'd all just go, you know, um, you know, put our heads in a hole or jump off a bridge or something. Well,
1: how else do you cope, right? Like with this huge yeah. change in in
0: lifestyle and have to find a bright spot, I guess is a way of putting it. Yeah. You have to have something to hold on to. And in case of dads, um, it's your family, right? It it is. It's just that's true. And moms too, obviously. And and the kids in reverse too, they, they see their, their parents, their parents are their anchor, their, their light, Mm -hmm. their, um, their, their foundation of their building of life. Right. So, um, the fact that they get to spend the
1: time with their parents is, is, you know, is not a not a bad thing. So, what are to you? What are the most rewarding parts about being a dad?
0: Um, yeah, it's a good question. I I think just um, I like the idea of unconditional love, and I think you know I just finished reading this book um, uh, called The Journey Home, and it's by a uh, an American fellow um, who, uh, who became a Swami in India, and he, he's a follower of Krishna, and, um, and, and the whole idea that, you know, and I'm by no means an expert at having read one book, right, you know, but, but the whole idea that he's trying to show is, uh, you know, uh, unconditional love that, that Krishna has for, for humanity, for his people and you know, Christ had unconditional love. Um, so there's a lot of cases in, in sort of history and, and, in theology where unconditional love has been the, the ultimate sort of standard. And I think for us, you know, you know, mere mortal types, unconditional love is a great thing to strive for. And the closest we probably can get to it is the love you share with your child. Um, So I love that certain kind of joy that I've never had with any other, you know, I've had, I've had beautiful, floating, glowing moments with music. Mm -hmm. um, But that deep sort of just satisfaction and and love and, and happiness that you get from being a dad is uh, I've never had anything like it. So, and the anguish is higher too, right? There's that too. You know, when, when they, when they forget who you are when they're teenagers or whatever, you yeah. know, those are, those are hard, you know, but um, but you got to grin and bear it and know that they'll hopefully, uh, you know, come around in their 23 or something, you know? So,
1: yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you get those higher highs, but with that, you get those lower lows sometimes too. Right. Cause because yeah. of that emotional. And then I remember stuff now that I did when I was
0: a teenager and when I was first in college and I mean, I went to Boston and hardly wrote my parents or called them ever, you know, and it was terrible, terrible. I, I really regret that now. And yeah. yeah. So, um, so there's, there's a line in the jam, uh, one of the jam songs that says, think of Edward still at college, you send him letters, which he doesn't acknowledge, you know, and um, I was that guy. Um, You know, I was too busy wrapped up in music and my own little, stuff without, And I mean, I wasn't terrible. I would, you know, but for every, it would take three to one ratio, yeah. you know, of letters or calls or whatever.
1: You know. It must be a common thing. Cause I, I remember my um, like my first year at university, I remember getting a call from my mom um, one, one day and she was just in tears and like wondering why I hadn't called her. And I think it had been maybe a week or something like that. And you're right. It's probably a three to one. She tried to call a couple of times. I never called back and I had just didn't realize it was such a big deal. Right. But now when I I think about it, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I I, imagine myself on, on the other side of it and my daughter not thinking about me for a week or me feeling like she didn't think about me for a week. Right. Yeah. Must be like,
0: yeah, it's that first. And it is, it was the same for me. My freshman year was the year that I was, was the, I got a lot better, a lot, you know right after that but um it was definitely that freshman year it's that first taste of being on your own and you know it's understandable if not excusable i guess is a way you can say it but my mom just you know she loved me she she got it and then after i kind of wised up she's been didn't even blink an eye just back to you know we were very close for the rest of her life which was great
1: yeah that's nice um what what did you take in college so uh, undergrad,
0: I studied um, communications, uh, journalism, and a little bit of radio, a little bit of TV, but mostly print journalism. And then um, uh, graduate school was
1: uh, political science. Okay. Wow. Um, so did, did you, like you've basically been, been playing music um, <laughs> for your whole adult life. Have you ever had a career in any of those kind of paths?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, been a, uh, writer, uh, for newspapers and magazines on and off for, for many years. Okay. So, and everything from restaurant reviews to feature stories, to news stories, to, um, uh, editorials, you know, I've, I've kind of run the gamut of, uh, journalism, you know, experiences writing didn't ever do any business stories, anything like that. But, uh, anyway, yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm, I, it fits, it's, you know, the other side of your writing coin, if you're an artist, right? Like yeah. At least for the, for the singers of the world, you know, um, we're part writers of words, so. Um,
1: right. It's, I mean, it's a creative process too, right? You can, yeah. it become, for some people, I think it becomes a, a real creative process, even a restaurant review, a really good restaurant review can, you know, you have to have uh, that creativity.
0: Yeah, so you know it's interesting you say that because some of my reviews, well, my my, I don't want to say I'll say my my, I keep wanting to say the word my shtick, but the the angle that I would use as a reviewer was I was always ta- I would always take my kids with me because I had never seen a writer who wrote from the perspective of a parent, and you know when you go to like a, a sushi restaurant, let's say, right, you know, with a with a twelve year old boy who is dragged there, you know, and doesn't want to be there. Is not interested in sushi and is very suspicious of the whole thing, you know, and, and, and that's a thing for parents to have that. I mean, I got so many letters from people, you know, laughing, saying this is great and, you know, and, uh, or I, that's exactly what I went through with my, you know, with my kids. So, um, it was very, uh, it's a very unique way to have done that side of what I was doing. So it was cool. I loved it.
1: Cool. Cool. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, do you consider yourself a rad dad?
0: Mm, I'll let others uh, be the judge of that. I, I I will say that I love being a dad and I work hard at it and I think it's the hardest job. What's that cliche? The hardest job you'll ever love. You know, um, it really is. And everybody falls short. Everybody falls flat on their face. Um, Nobody is perfect either as a human being or, or as a parent. Or as a child, uh, for that matter. Um, so um, you have to accept that you're going to do your best, and sometimes you're going to fall. You're not going to win the race every time, and that's part of getting older too. Um, is, is realizing that you do your best, and uh, you know if you if you succeed eighty percent of the time, that's pretty dang good, right? Like, yeah, if you're if you're hitting, so no baseball hitter hits a thousand, right? But Ted Williams. From the boston red sox of course the excellent mighty wonderful boston red sox um so ted williams was in addition to being a hero for in, in an aviator and hero and, and leaving the field at the height of his uh, career to go fight in world war ii and um he uh he was the last 400 hitter so 400 is is like considered epically great if you can yeah. finish your career hitting 400 um that's that's amazing so Think about that, and then if you're a father, where you're dealing with it every day with a thousand different situations, with you know kids having different stresses and struggles, and you having different stresses and struggles, and bills, and um, you know, and time shortages, and you know, for me, I missed my daughter's first steps because I was in you know somewhere on tour, you know, and, and yeah. all these kinds of things, and yeah. and so there's all kinds of struggles that are going on. If you can hit 400 as a dad, that's pretty damn good right because and you think about that the day that's going up to the plate 15 times a day yeah you know that's not like going up to the plate three times and you know having a three game stint and then you get two days off or whatever no there's no days off you know so yeah um yeah i'm kind of rambling but i think
1: uh no i I like that analogy i mean i think that that's that's helpful for people to hear right like i think that's one thing some of the feedback we get about this show is like it's just good to hear that other people like you know, have bad days too, and and you know they screw up and they feel guilty and th- like that's all part of it, right? Is is yeah. some, you you can't do a hundred percent all of the time, um and I think probably I don't know maybe is it just the awareness of of that and the insight into that that
0: I think that the trick though is even if you stumble to have those around you know that they that you love them and. And I think that's been one of my, you know, hopefully successes is that no matter what, you know, um, they, you know, your kid, my kids know that, you know, and I'm sure your kids know, and I'm sure, you know, most kids know that their parent and their dad in this case loves them unconditionally, you know, and that gets back to that whole idea of unconditional
1: love. Right. So you, you didn't want to answer, are you a rad dad? And, and I get that, um, So if, if I asked you in a different way, like what, what are, if you're looking at somebody else and deciding, are they a rad dad? Like what, what are those traits that make a rad dad to you?
0: Um, I think kind of just the ones we just talked about, you know, um, unconditional love fun, fun is a huge one. And and it has to be natural. It has to be, you have fun with your child and love, like, you know, so we watched this show, um, called chuck um which is uh uh, the five seasons we're on sort of the end of season three which you know it's kind of sad because we're coming to the you know the end of the series well we still have two two more seasons but anyway so it's about a guy who's kind of a nerdy guy works at a place that's equivalent to a best Buy, and um and he's a computer sort of repair guy and he gets through various. you know misadventures he becomes embroiled in the CIA and the NSA and becomes a secret agent and it's but it's funny it's very light there are some heavy moments but overall it's very very light and it's it's great and so it's, it's something that our five-year-old cannot watch so we always set up something for her to do like she has um, you know her kindle and she can be looking at youtube videos of minecraft or whatever you know and she can be doing that while we're you know in the same room but she's not watching it but but anyway um the the um the whole point is that she does this little thing at the beginning they play um short skirt long jacket from yeah a cake yeah yeah yeah, it's a great (laughs) great riff great riff and that's their theme song so she goes nuts when she hears it. Like it's just one of these things where she will j- dance the entire time. Yeah. She'll 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 do this thing where where she's she's got her hands up in there and she's going because yeah. she saw me do that one time and so she's doing this whole thing and it's it's so joyous, you know. So um, so understanding the joys of moments like that and that that's what makes life worth living, you know. And then you know, okay, I'm gonna step backwards, rewind and play. I am sometimes a rad dad at the very least, because I was just talking about this with my 19 year old son last night at dinner. I took them to see Judas priest. I took them to see iron maiden yep. they've seen Murphy's law. Um, they've met blink One um, They've, um, I'm trying to think, you know, but the list is, uh, Steve Miller band, you know? So, um, so they've seen some, some excellent, uh, rock music in, in their, uh, in their
1: lives so far. So that's awesome. So, so what do you, uh, yeah, let me ask, what do your kids think about what you do? What do they think about your, uh, your music?
0: You know, they, I don't know. It's funny. You should say that. I think they're proud of me. I hope they're proud of me, but I know that growing up, like, especially when they were teenagers, especially the girls, you know, because teenage girls have mastered the art of eye rolling. There is no one better at eye rolling than a teenage girl. Just it's, it is, it is what it is. Right. And um, so when somebody would, would come to the house or we'd be out somewhere and somebody maybe recognize me or we'd be whatever, you know, and, and then they would say the person almost inevitably would very nicely say, you know, do you know that your dad, you know, his music changed my life or, you know, I love your dad's stuff. And, they would do the eye roll man perfectly. And they <laughs> clearly, you know, had heard it before and did not want to hear it again, you know? So, yeah. um, so, uh, I, I, think that they're proud of me. I hope, um, interestingly, they don't really have, um, the, this exact same musical taste, which is totally fine. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, my, my youngest son who is uh, 17, he, he has the closest, like his playlist, you know, has a lot of clash and Ramones and the undertones and big audio dynamite and uh, misfits and a whole bunch of other stuff. So he's, he's uh, he's in the same ballpark, but you know, I, I just, yeah, I love what they love because it's cool and it's them,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like I I think a lot of dads are kind of like that and give a similar response that like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they are, into your music or whatever but I'm, I'm curious like it sounds like you guys have kind of bonded over music though maybe as they've gotten older like in terms of going out and going to shows together or, or things like that right yeah I would say
0: not as much actually because of the difference in tastes of of their stuff I haven't you know and maybe I should try and do that try and go with them to but you know they've got you know boyfriends or girlfriends in whichever case it is and uh you know friends and just they have their own Things that they want to go, and I don't know if I would have wanted my dad to have come with me when I was, you know, nineteen and going to a concert at the, you know, nine thirty club or something. Right. And I wouldn't have been that sort of typical mortified thing and embarrassed, but I probably, you know, would have said, oh, "Okay, come on, let's go." You know. So I'll tell you a good story, though. This is a good parent. Here's some. Here's a couple of rad parents. So when I was in Dagnasty, we were playing at the nine thirty club. And, um, the old nine thirty, not the current one where it lives now, but, uh, they, my parents were going to come and, um, and I said, okay, you know, and my mother had just gotten a fur coat from my dad for Christmas and right. she loved this freaking fur coat and me being a, you know, uh, self righteous, you know, 21 year old <laughs> or whatever, you know, I said, like, you can't wear that, you yeah. know, that's, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, and, um, And my rationale was, you know, was, was fair, right? Like I, I didn't think it's like, you know, fur coats don't need to exist in, in whatever year that was, you know, 1986 or, you know, you know, you don't need a fur coat anymore. You can get a very warm coat, you know, at Burlington coat factory. That is not, you know, (laughs) that is not a fur coat. So, but she loved that freaking thing. And, you know, so she said, we'll see. So I, I see them in the back and bloody hell she wore the fur coat, but, they were there in the 9:30 club packed with people. And, you know, just, I mean, you've been there a hundred times in terms of being in that environment, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, I look from the stage, I see them huddled by the back door, you know, by the, or by the front door where people come in, they're huddled yeah. in the back of the club and, um, you know, but there they were and they were proud and they were watching, you know, and then another story that's kind of funny about my parents. So we were in Spain with down by law and, um, so in Spain, one of the things that I didn't kind of realize until that time was that they, they don't eat at like seven o'clock or whatever, like right. a lot of you know, Americans or Canadians do. They, they eat at like like nine is, is normal or early, right? Like it's totally yeah. normal to eat at 10. In fact, so we're wandering around at seven o'clock and there's no restaurants anywhere that are open. We're, uh, my parents were there. They were visiting and I was on tour. So they, they merged their, their visit cool. with, with, uh, with Down by Law Show. And I forget what city it was in. It may have been Madrid, but that might just be, or maybe it was Barcelona. It may have been Barcelona anyway. So, so we're, we go around, we finally find a place that's open. We're the only ones in the restaurant at nine o'clock, you know, cause it just opened up and then we go to the show and, and I'm going around and talking to people and, and they're having a good time. And then we do the show. And by the time we get off the stage, it's, you know, gotta be one thirty in the morning. And so there's kids everywhere. And, and, um, and I'm signing autographs and talking with kids after the show and, and sort of the front of the club and the inside part of the front of the club. And um, and uh, so somebody somebody says, you know, we can have an autograph. I said, sure. But the guy you really want to get is that guy over there. That's my dad and that's my mom. You should go get their autographs. I wouldn't be here without them. The whole kids just instantly turn on me, uh, instantly turned away from me, run over to my parents. Yeah. The, my parents signed like 50 autographs awesome. and they loved it. They were having the best time. It was so great. I'll never forget the smiles on their faces, you know, while they did that.
1: It was, it was a fantastic moment. So That's really cool. So yeah. it, it sounds to me like you had a pretty good relationship with your dad. I did. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. can you talk about that at all? Like, how how what was that like as a kid, and how maybe how has that influenced you know you as a parent?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, well, my dad was uh, was was a uh, actually like me a different way, but he was a writer, and um, he was uh, really into. Uh, he actually wrote a comic strip when he was a young guy oh, in the cool. navy. He wrote a he wrote a, a, a ongoing series of about a captain forget his name captain courageous maybe or something but it was some captain somebody captain christian captain christian was his name and uh and it was an ongoing series and a friend of his was the artist and my dad was the um was the was the writer and then um he wrote for political figures and he wrote as a government guy and um anyway he uh he was a really sweet thoughtful dude and he i've said this before in interviews he had a really pivotal role in me becoming, like, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you without my dad. And the interesting part about that, because I think everybody would probably say their parents had a huge role in their development, hopefully positively. But my dad imparted on me a knowledge of music through classical music. So we would be driving around and back then, um, you know, when I was a little kid, it was the radio, right? There wasn't, there's no You you didn't have Sirius XM or whatever, you know, it was just, you didn't have an iPod with your entire library of 10,000 songs. You know, know, so, so. um, You had to wait for the song to come on. You had to wait for the song to come on. Well, what my dad listened to was classical music. And, um, and earlier he'd been really into um, swing music, big band, jazz swing. So, you know, Benny Goodman and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And so I kind of listened to that and learned a lot about different, Forms of music because big band swing is very unique in its structure and its song structure. So then, but when we drive around, there's a station. I think it was W W T O P. I can't now, can't remember what station it was. W G M S. It was W G M S. Was a classical music station. And, you know, and the announcers all sounded like this. And, well, Tchaikovsky's, you know, 38th Symphony in E minor and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. My dad knew all of it. He could yeah. whistle along to all of it. I mean, entire freaking symphony. But what was interesting to me was, you know, on long drives, listening to all that stuff. And it just kind of went into my my spirit of how songs should go. Cadence, rhythm, yeah. melody, harmony. Layering of songs, you know layering of instruments um, How a violin works one way with a flute but works completely differently with an oboe, you know, even though, you know You know, there may be two or similar woodwind instruments But they sound totally different when mixed with a particular other instruments, you know, so so these kinds of things and um, It had a huge impact on me and I, I often say that, you know, if you pick top five influences for what made Dave the musician it's, it's listening to Beethoven and Mozart with my dad on, you know, on long drives and it's kind of him drinking that level of song structure and amazing crescendos and, you know, uh, just sort of the capabilities that those songwriters had was staggering. So
1: That's really cool. So it sounds like your dad, I mean, from a musical perspective was a, was a huge influence. Was How did you get into kind of like, playing punk rock and and what was the experience of that like with your parents a lot of people talk about their parents going to be like ah like don't do that I you know I don't like that or you know what's with all the yelling (laughs) What, what was it like for for you
0: yeah it was it was um I think everybody gets a little of that and um you know I I totally get that you know but um there was a lot of support I mean there really was um you know uh because I was a singer, cause I grew up as a singer. I sang in church choirs in elementary school. And then I was in plays, you know, um, musicals and plays. So, um, yeah, so I did a lot of that stuff and and they were always very supportive of that incredibly supportive to the point where I almost went to college for, for music, um, for, for singing for, as a, and I was gonna, I was thinking about going into, you know, the theater. Um, wow. but, uh, you know, fate had other plans, you know, but, um, but anyway, they were they were always incredibly supportive. And um, even, you know, I still remember it was DYS and the FUs were on tour in 1982 or whatever year it was. And they lived at that time. My parents lived in Connecticut, in um, Greenwich, Connecticut, which is kind of a, you know, kind of a fancy area. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so, uh, so they... Uh, yep. My little light one out. There we go. Um, so so they uh they of course very wonderfully and many times said to me the band can stay here, which you know, so we always did. So this time there's you know, there's four DYS, there's four FUs, there's a couple people driving, you know, Curtis Casella was there, um, a couple other guys, you know. Yeah. So it was a packed van, you know, two bands in one van, yeah, you know, crazy stuff. But so we um we, we go and we stay in their townhouse. They have the little condominium type thing in, in Greenwich, Connecticut. And then there was a pool there. So yeah. we go into the pool and we're playing Marco Polo. And Steve Grimes, who was the guitar, who still is the guitar player for the FUs, great guy. Um, he was it. He was Marco or Polo or whatever it is. And, and he lunged for someone. The person ran out of the way and Steve bashed his head into the side of the the pool no so way. blood starts coming out and let me tell you you want to get a reaction have a bleeding punk rocker in a pool in greenwich connecticut in 1992 <laughs> um you know and my parents were uh i think they were practically almost kicked out of the con- you know the the condo or whatever yeah. so
1: had a strict talking to from the condo board or something yeah 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 <laughs>
0: they, they didn't they never batted an eyelash you know they they you know they they were always very supportive i was i was super lucky Cool. Cool. So I have definitely tried to be like that with my kids. And, you know, like Griffin, my, my, uh, my, my almost 18 year old, he, he uh, is playing guitar. And, um, you know, so I first thing I did was give him my best um, Vox amp, you know, because, you know, that's what you do, you know, so So uh,
1: can I take a guess? Is it an AC30?
0: No, so okay, so it, it's I should say. Let me clarify my best practice amp. It's a modeling amp. Oh, okay. so There's different modeling amps, and it does have an AC30 sound, of course, because it's a Vox. You know, it's yep. the best modeling amp, and blows away the Line Six stuff or any of the others. I mean, it's a it's a remarkable uh, little little device. I mean, little by comparison to a full half stack or something, but yeah. it's great tones. Um, the sound that they get that's closest to a JCM800 is the closest that I've seen to a JCM800 including other Marshalls that try to sound like JCM 800, yeah. you know, this thing sounds really freaking good. So is
1: it, is it a, is it a little solid state, uh, one by 12? Cause I have one of those and I think it's an AV 30. It's got kind of a retro fifties. does. That's probably it. Good. Yeah. 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 That's the same, same amp I have. I love that amp. That's yeah. why I bought it. Cause it's great, great modeling. And yeah, it's fantastic. For, for, I've actually recorded some things with that thing, you know, for demos. Really? Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I, I I love that amp. And um, I also like that it's great for practice, right? Like you get great tones out of it, but you can put headphones into it. You can put like your iPod or your phone into it or whatever. So yeah, yep. yeah, that was it. Yeah. So oh,
0: interesting. And then uh, just when I went to Richmond last night to see my 19 year old son, um, we were talking, He's he's got a base and I went into his apartment and he's got an amp the size of a, you know, of a postage stamp practically. And I said, come on, man, you know, and he's, he's like, well, if you know anybody that has any amps, I said, you know, your father's a professional musician, right? And he (laughs) said, I should have thought of that. And I said, yeah, so let me, uh, let me see what I've got kicking around. So I have to go see what if I've got another, uh, I gave, I gave my other son the best one, but I think I've got another one that
1: should do the trick better than what he's got. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You guys almost have the makings for a family band. True. Hadn't thought of that. That's a great (laughs) point. Yeah. We just need a drummer and we kind of got it made. Yeah. Yeah, You're all set. Um, So, yeah. So we talked about um, your relationship with your dad. Did you have any fears about becoming a dad?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And yes, um, absolutely. In fact, I remember a conversation with my mom, which was, um, you know, the traditional conversation, I think every perspective, father has with one of his parents, if, if they're both still alive and if he's close enough with them to have those kinds of conversations, which I luckily was. Um, but I said, you know, mom, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for this, you know, and she had a great line, which is not probably original to her, but it was original to me when she said it, which is if you wait for everything to be perfect, you'll never have a child. It will never be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you'll never have enough money. Yeah. If you, that's if That's why you're not doing it you're never going to have enough if you you know if you think it's because you're never going to travel again if you have a child uh, that's probably going to happen anyway and you'll you'll really have missed out and you know so so you know basically if it if it's you know it's never going to be perfect so you have to just and again kind of getting to that ted williams 400 hitter you know type thing you know you have to accept the, yeah, you're probably not going to have enough money sometimes. And, you know, it's going to be risky and there's going to be times during their teenage years when, you know, just like you did, you know, they don't think you know anything and they know everything and, you know, all of that. And, um, you know, and that's, that's okay. You know, that's cool.
1: So were your, were kind of your, most of your fears around like not knowing if you could kind of handle it, if you could, like personally handle it or was it more about like not knowing if you could support the child the way they needed to be supported or?
0: yeah, I think it was everything, man. I think it was, you know, the emotional, you know, am I emotionally ready for it? Um, am I, am I financially ready for it? You know, obviously being a punk rock musician is, um, you know, uh, it's, it's some few segments of the punk rock community are, are, you know, doing really, really well. And I always cherish that when people can, but, uh, you know, especially when I was at that point, you know, no, no chance of thinking, you know, that I'd be able to pay for, you know, anything, you know, I'd be lucky to pay for groceries, you know? So, so there was that fear factor of that, but, yeah. but also even bigger, I think was the fear of just, um, you know, am I, am I, do I have what it takes to be a father? You yeah. know? And I know you have this feeling too, right? So do you remember when you brought your, your daughter's, your older one, right? Five-year-old.
1: Yeah. yeah. Both, both girls, but yeah. 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 Wait, how old is your, your oldest daughter? You uh, just about five. Yeah. Just about
0: five. Yeah. yeah. So when you walked into your house or your apartment with that little baby, tell me you didn't have a, a moment of panic. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, you just have no idea what to expect, right? Like right. No matter no what anybody tells you, you have no idea.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, what's the really weird part is that little creature is utterly dependent on you. Yeah and your and your and your spouse right like that's it like that creature their life is in your hands so you're holding this little creatures it's it's like no other feeling in the world i mean yes you could argue that when you bring home an animal that's also they're totally dependent on you and but as far as the humanity side um
1: but not even the same with an animal like it's funny because now that i think about that like a, a dog can, can walk when it when it's born. Like it can move around. That's a, good it point. That's a really good point. It could figure it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, You usually don't get a puppy till it's at least eight weeks old. So, yeah. you know, so they've already mastered a lot of life skills, you know? Yeah. I yeah, hadn't thought of it that way, but that's really true.
1: Yeah. But, but yeah, no, you're totally right. It's that like paralyzing fear, like especially I, like I found, especially when I walked in the door, it's funny you say that. And you're you're home and you're just by yourself. There's no nurses or doctors around to sort of tell you what to do. You know, maybe you don't have family around and you're just like, oh, my God, like, what do I do now?
0: Yes, that's it. I think that's it. You nailed it. Yeah, that's what it is. It's that that feeling of isolation. Yeah. And hundreds of people in the building, you know, to help that are professional medical helpers you know to make sure that everything's okay for your for the mother and for you but especially yeah. for the child you know
1: yeah I remember being kind of partly relieved and it's not about me but I remember being partially relieved my my so my daughter my first daughter when she was born she ended up in the ICU a very quick trip to the ICU it was very traumatic at first and you know thank God, everything is fine and was fine at the time. Um, And so we ended up kind of back down in the room after about a day. And so everything was fine. Um, But then because of that, we ended up staying in the hospital another few days after that. Normally they'd punch you out after 24 hours if you're, everything's all good or sometimes same day I'm hearing now, but we were in the hospital for a few days. And I felt like that was so good for us to have opportunity. Like talk about silver linings in a bad situation. Like, to have that opportunity to have people around. You can ask questions and kind of help you like, yeah, wrap the baby in a swaddle or put their taper on and things you've never done before.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it is, yeah, again, silver lining of a bad situation. Yeah, no, I, I concur with that. Um, we, I haven't had that. Thankfully I'd rather not have had that right. Because of that horrible feeling I'm sure that you had and so glad that it ended happily or that it was short, but, um, yeah, I didn't have any of those moments. So yeah, for us, it was pretty much, uh, you know, out, out you go, you know, one day, you know, one overnight thing, you know, and that's
1: yeah. how, how, um, so, cause your, your kids are, are, um, like older, I would say most of them are kind of adults. So they, they would have had to kind of experience, um, times in, in your career where you were touring quite a bit. So can you talk a little bit about what that was like and kind of, you know, being away from your family and, and, kind of managing that?
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that is definitely a hard thing. And, you know, I know there's this sort of image of glamour associated with touring, right? And and it is fun. I mean, again, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything, you know. Um, I've been really blessed, um, you know. So thank you upstairs, you know. So, um, but that said, um, it is, there are struggles and nothing's ever, handed to you for free um you know in fact there's a down by law song says nothing comes free you know and um and it's true you know whatever you do in life uh, you've gotta you know take some uh you know there's there's bitter with the sweet almost in every case um unless you're like a trust fund kid that just gets handed a, a you know million dollars when you're 18 or whatever yeah. um, even then right even then you're uh, yeah. still dealing with with struggles and and you know, sort of, I think moments that are, that are not easy. So, um, so, um, oops, sorry about that. Hold on. I'm trying to, trying to get, a, Oh, there, my light came back on. I was trying to jiggle some, some other uh, sources of light. Um, so anyway, um, so yeah, it, it, it was hard. I, like I said earlier, I missed, uh, both my daughter's first steps. Um, You know, I was in uh, somewhere else and a lot of times I was in Europe, which is wonderful again. Oh, poor guy. He was in Europe. Right. I'm not going to complain about that. I was in Europe. It was fantastic. I I love Europe. I love, you know, Germany, Belgium, Holland, Spain, uh, England, um, you know, um, Ireland, um, you know, just, you know, every Switzerland, um, you know, I've been incredibly fortunate, but again, with that comes, you know, leaving for weeks or months at a time, um, you know, and the stuff like missing the first steps of your daughter and and all that stuff. So that, that does suck.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, I think, um, you know, for, for, like that's sort of part of the nature of your career, right. There's just sort of no getting away from it. And, um, that's a common thing we definitely hear from from musicians right is that being away from the family and missing some of those things you talked about first steps or you know reading or writing or you know miss the Christmas concert or whatever the case may be Um, you know I think that it's very relatable though too to a lot of people like um, you know I, I think about like you know people who are nurses or um you know truck drivers or whatever that mm-hmm. got weird shifts oh yeah no
0: cars. it's it's not uh, musicians uh, are not the only ones who have to be you know or i mean think about you know um first responders and, and law yeah. enforcement and and firefighters i mean these these men and women not only do they have to be gone for extended chunks or weird chunks of time but literally risking their lives in the process right so that's a you know, particularly during a pandemic, for instance, um, that's crazy to think like, you know, by daddy, by mommy, and daddy or mommy could be, you know, like a firefighter could be killed in a falling building. You know, it it does happen regularly, not just once in a while. It happens regularly. Firefighting is an incredibly dangerous, uh, you know, um, occupation. It's
1: a heroic occupation. Um, um, And I think, like, what it speaks to is, like, I think a lot of – dads um and and uh, moms too like have, have guilt about that kind of stuff not being a- around but I think what what it shows you when you kind of think about it in that context like there's a million ways to be a parent right and to be involved in your kid's life and what that looks like for one family and one you know one you know unit is, is going to be different from from another unit so yeah
0: I'm super flexible on that, actually. Like I know I have friends even that are that are all about the uh, more, you know, traditional nuclear style family. And I have great respect for that and lived it for for many years. Um, But I also now, um, you know, have great and, and always have had great respect that family means not a structure as much as it is an emotional state of love. And, um, you know, we talked about pets earlier. I'm going to come right out and say it. Pets are part of your family. Anybody that thinks they're not is is not a pet lover, has never really had a pet. You know, like when when you've had a dog and and or a cat, you know, and, and that animal has been with you for 10, 12 more years and they, they pass away. That, that's agony. You know, yeah. it's agony. It is you have lost a member of your family. Yeah. Um, so, so family to me is not necessarily you know mother father two kids you know it it is a state of existence of love and support and joy and fun and sometimes sorrow and um you know it's a something like nothing else and um you know i i honestly don't think of it i mean you know one of my buddies said uh you know what i forget his exact words i'm going to mess it up but he he basically said, you know, he, he's kind of a guy who just wants to live and let live, which is kind of my approach as well. And um, yeah. he just said, you know, if two dudes move into you, into your house, into the house next door, and they're having an anniversary, go over and give them a damn anniversary present, you know? And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and you know, and uh, likewise, if, uh, you know, actually, uh, one of my very good friends and, and former bandmates, um, well, current bandmate actually has has adopted a uh, wonderful kid who is from a different, um, uh, race, racial background. And, um, that's his son, you know, I mean, yeah. there's no eh, like anybody who says otherwise should be, you know, really ashamed of themselves. And, and, and I don't think people do any more as much, you know, because we're not in 1950 because it is 2020 yeah. and because people understand now that family does, like you say, take many different forms.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you talked about it a lot, actually, as as we've been talking, there's kind of this common thread of like that unconditional love. And I think what that what that is kind of rooted in is that, that trust too, right? Because you mentioned, even those times when you fall down, and, and you make a mistake, and you go, Oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Like, it, it's that trust that your child has in you, um, that that you still love them. Yeah. And, and that you have in, in the family unit that there's still love there. Right. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the other thing too, that's, that's hard about being a dad. And um, so I guess in that sense, every dad is a rad dad. So how about that for an idea? But, um, but, I like uh, but uh, you can't give up. You don't get to give up. Like if you don't like your job, you can quit. You can walk away. You can go find another job or yeah. you can become, you know, you can you, you can draw unemployment until you find a job you like or whatever. You know, if you don't don't uh, like the show you're at, if you think the band sucks that night, you can leave. Yep. Um, You know, you're not feeling good about if you go to an area that you thought there was going to be a store and but you are looking around the neighborhood, you're like, yeah, I don't feel safe here. You leave. Right. There's none of that with being a father. You don't get to leave. You don't get to. Now you might physically, you know, like again, in case of separations, things like that, there might be a physical, but you don't get to check out and not be. I mean, I know it happens and it's horrible, but um, but for the most part, most of us who are doing this grand adventure of parenting are, you know, we're it's a life thing. Right. From the day they're born, you're you're in, you know, all your chips are in the middle of the table. There's no walking away from the poker table. You know, you're you're a father. You know, it's a yep. huge responsibility and it's a joyful responsibility and it makes people better. And I think it makes men better. You know, I think fatherhood makes men better, makes men better men.
1: Yeah. I, th- I Well, I mean, I, I certainly think there's um, an emotional aspect to it. That is not, um, uh, you know, maybe historically or traditionally very um, uh, natural to a lot of dads and, and to men in general, right? Like just, acknowledging the, the emotion, like we're talking, we're two men sitting here talking about unconditional love. And, and, and I think, you know, if we were having this conversation, you know, 30, 40 years ago, like we, we wouldn't be talking that way. Yeah. And so I yeah. think our, our kind of in general, our society's moving more towards, you know, <laughs> I guess being more accepting of that. And um, so, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe, um, you know, that, that's what helps us to to get better is to become more connected with what, you know, we really feel. I, at least I yeah. feel like no, that's that, doesn't mean go, um,
0: that doesn't mean I'm going to go. That doesn't mean I'm going to go. Like you know, start painting you know uh you know lilies in the field and 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 weeping at a you know at a uh, emo band concert or something you know sorry that's not who i am you know i'm a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a hardcore rocker uh you know i <laughs> i i, I uh, have had a, a nice uh, adventurous rough and tumble life you know all that good stuff i love uh going shooting at the range you know all that stuff you know so um so but it does yeah i mean there's a deeper side of humanity that that being a father touches on and brings out and that's as it should be. If it doesn't, maybe you're got to rethink, you know, rethink things a little bit. Yeah.
1: So, so Dave, we do a a kind of a recurring segment on this show. We call the rad dad, bad dad's segment or feature, um, where I'm going to put you on the spot and just ask you to maybe think of kind of first thing that pops into your head, uh, a kind of rad dad moment, meaning kind of that blue ribbon, super proud kind of moment, uh, for you as a dad, it could be anything. Um, and maybe conversely that we, we call it the bad dad moment, but really it's just that moment where it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Um, Kind of thing, mm, Yeah, that's, these are good ones. And it's hard, though.
0: You're really putting me on the spot because with five children, man, I mean, it's like when you were t- describing those questions, I literally had this image of a kaleidoscope, you know, where yeah. all <laughs> the images are going around and like there's thousands of different permutations. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a tough one. Um, I don't know, I think, um,
1: man, that so is a recent, like a recent proud, proud moment.
0: So i mean a recent proud moment is you know just just yesterday going down to see my son in his apartment in uh in in richmond and uh you know and just you know he's he's got his uh blink one eighty two poster on the wall he's got his um he's got his uh Boston Celtics poster on the wall and um he's just a good good person he's funny he's uh smart. And he's pretty chill. And what's really hilarious was seeing when I walked in and, you know, because he's in college, I don't see him every day. Right. So but uh, when I walked in, you know, I saw him not that long ago, but just a few, you know, month or so. But but anyway, uh, when I walked in, I was like, holy cow, this kid is my clone from when I was (laughs) 19 years old. I mean, it is uncanny how much he looks like me. So, but what I was proud about as far as the proud dad moment was just seeing he's a good person, you know, and, um, and he's, he's totally chill and, um, he's doing well. He's having fun. He plays Call of Duty till three in the morning and then goes to class and does his, you know, does his stuff and is doing well in school and, you know, um, he gets, he's just a great guy. So, so that would be, I would say, you know, a proud dad moment.
1: Yeah. It's like, I, I that's a, that's an interesting one for, for me, like kind of to think about, because I'm young kids to think about when they kind of grow up and, you know, when I kind of like daydream and think about that and what, what that must feel like as a, parent yeah. to see your yeah
0: sort of well, here. Sort I'm of trying to, to see it. if I can find, okay. So this one, I don't know if you can see this or not in this, uh, is this the right way? Let me see here. Hold on. A, yeah. So I don't know if you can see this. Um, it's from my five-year-old.
1: yeah. Yeah. I can read. I love you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, and, and that's then awesome. so how about that for another one? Um, you yeah, just, just did this yesterday or two days ago. So, um, you know, that, that one's going on the keeper, you know, on the keeper list of course. And, um, so yeah, those are, those are the moments that make everything great. You
1: know, that's, that's awesome, Dave. Um, yeah. so, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about, um, your, your music stuff. So, don't sleep had a new album out september is that right i think it was september yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so about a month or so yeah yeah and and you guys also just recently we were chatting about it recently put out a a tom petty cover yeah that's just like a dream yeah yeah. Which is so rad. Sounds so good. I, you know, it's it's actually amazing. You sound so much like Tom Petty in that song. Oh, thanks. I was channeling, man. I was definitely yeah. channeling.
0: You know, one of the cool things, too, you know, about being a singer, I, I've had this discussion, too, because I think it's a really interesting one. So you were just talking about our modeling amps, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're just talking about it in different, in the Vox, uh, the Vox amp that we both had, and there's, there's many other variants. So um, what's the idea behind a modeling amp? Well, the idea is that you can, rather than spend, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get, you know, a, a, um, every kind of head that there is mixed with every kind of cabinet in the world. And even, you know, uh, Eddie Van Halen, you know, God rest his soul probably didn't have every single permutation of every mix, you know, of every single, yeah. you can't, right. Like you, you just can't, even if the money isn't an issue, it's just like, you sometimes you can't find them or sometimes, you know, it's, you can't. Uh, you know whatever so the idea is that you why do you need different amps and different sounds and different guitars right like guitar players always have you know if you you don't have you know two or three guitars um you know you probably wish you did and if you have two or three then you wish you had four or five and yeah it doesn't end yeah (laughs) yeah i remember uh we used to be friends with somebody who knew steven stills and um was quite close with steven stills and uh i never went over there uh with her to to his house but she told me his his guitar room he had one guitar and was massive and just hundreds plural of guitars like crazy hundreds like everywhere like on mounted on the wall in stands you know beautifully laid out the room looked like uh you know i saw pictures of it the room looked like a palace you know but but anyway the point why does stephen stills need that many guitars Well, the reason is because when he's playing one song, the guitar and the mix and the amp and the cabinet might be perfect for that song, but it might be utterly wrong for the next song. Right. So you need to, you know, in the case of our modeling amp example, you need to switch it up. So you go from the AC30 to the JCM 800 to the PV, to the, you know, to the whatever, you know, to the, to the Mesa boogie, you know, and you have all these different sounds and, and because, if you're playing uh, maybe a metal type song, you might want that Mesa Boogie sound. But if you're playing a uh, ACDC, you know, you better get it back to that JCM-800 sound, you know, or JMP, yeah. whatever, you know. So, um, and then, boy, now you could really start the JCM-800 versus JMP, boy, that's... that's... <laughs> anyway, So um, so so you need different sounds, right? So why is it that people think the singer... Um, shouldn't try and alter his or her approach to different things. And and I think one of the things I'm most proud of is that I'll always sound like me because you can't not, you know, right. But, um, I'm really lucky and again, blessed that I can, um, approach songs with the song in mind versus me in mind. sense. So, um, this is a long ways away from your question about Tom Petty, but there's a reason I'm saying it, which is that I'm luckily again, blessed, uh, through no, nothing of my own, just blessings that I was able to, I'm able to, to take on different, you know, to tweak my, my inner box, you know, my inner yeah. amp. Yeah. And, and so I went and found that Tom Petty button. So it still sounds like Dave Smalley, but it's Dave Smalley singing Tom Petty with respect. And so, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to sing Tom Petty like I would sing, you know, on Can I Say or, or, yeah. or in, and don't sleep on the, on the regular album of don't sleep where, you know, I'm full out, you know, there's full out rage and melody and all that stuff. But so for Tom Petty, I was, we were grooving, man. It was, I think I they put it in the press release, but it was like super late at night. Um, we were recording. We just decided to do that song. And, um, Jimmy, the drummer was just killing it. And, um, everybody, Tom, our lead guitar player, he was the one who decided to try to, to do that song, it was his idea, and so we just these guys were killing it. And then when I was doing the vocals, it was just like, you know, I was inspired,
1: and yeah. that was came the out, you know. And you can feel it, man. Like uh, honestly, the first time I hit play, I was just like, oh my god, this is so good. Like you could cool, feel it. We're, we're in the zone.
0: um Yeah, it was in the zone. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. It
1: was so crazy. yeah. So for anybody who's listening who doesn't know sort of what we're talking about, don't sleep. Put out recently a cover of uh running down a dream uh by tom petty and it's just killer go check it out um so tell me about the the don't sleep album and sort of i'm sure you know you probably had plans for tour and all kinds of stuff so yeah yeah tell me about that like you know the experience of releasing an album during a global pandemic yeah, one of the
0: things that we've tried to do in in uh, in lieu of being able to tour, because yeah, of course we had two two tours planned. I think for for the states and for Europe, and those both got um, nuked. And then um, Down by Law had a tour that got nuked, and uh, DYS even had some dates. Um, we were going to play Rebellion Fest um, over in England, and oh. um, and and that got nuked because I mean the whole festival did. So um, so one of the things that Don't Sleep did, which I think is very innovative um is that we uh we made videos and um we took some of that pent up energy and so we did a song for refine me did a song uh, no other way and we refine
1: did me refine me is the delorean no that one is uh we remain oh we remain right yeah yeah yep that one
0: seven deloreans by the way seven what that was the coolest freaking thing ever i remember i drove up that afternoon um and uh, I get there and there's like three DeLoreans, or I think it was three in the parking lot at the time. And I was like, "Oh man, that's badass!" You know, there's three <laughs> DeLoreans. You know, that's so cool. And Garrett, our bass player, who was the real ringleader of this whole idea, he said, "No, no, no, there's there's more." And I said, "Really?" Sure enough, you know, a few minutes later, fourth one comes in, a fifth one, and and finally there were seven. And um, awesome. I, you know, and even the even the drivers of the DeLoreans were kind of think they kind of said this is pretty special. You know, like this yeah. doesn't, this, they are our DeLorean um, clubs and or, which I didn't know. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, they're, they're like kind of a tight knit community, but right. um, certainly in a music video, none of them had ever seen
1: anything like this. So like, if you've got a DeLorean, you know, all the other guys in town who've got a DeLorean. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even on the East coast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. they know each other.
0: So um, yeah, but it was great. And so, so one of the things we've tried to do is, um, you know, what can we do? with this downtime. And one of the things we figured out we could do is try and make some videos. Um, so we made three, I think we're going to make another one. Um, I think we're still talking about what that's going to be. And, um, you know, uh, it's just a cool way of, it's almost like, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to, you can sit at home and that's okay. But, um, you know, as musicians, you kind of want to create, you know, and it's, it's in your, it's in your DNA to create and to play. And so, you know, that's kind of, what we've tried to do with our, with our downtime. Oh, and the Bandoleros also had a tour canceled, which also sucks. So yeah, I, I got hit pretty hard
1: on the, um, you know, professional musician side of life. So, okay. So yeah, don't sleep and the Bandoleros kind of, we've heard about that. Any other projects ongoing with other, other bands?
0: Well, just, you know, down by law has never, never stopped. Down, Down by law is the, is the little engine that could, man. Okay. You know, it, um, it, by, and wait till you hear the new album. It's, I think it's coming out in January.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't realize yeah, there was an
0: album. Yeah, January or February. It's so different. And I've come to the conclusion that, you know, in the beginning, Down by Law is right there in the pocket of sort of that epitaph sound. We were maybe even one of the prototypes of the epitaph sound, you know. So the first two albums, you know, and maybe in the first actually up up through you know, through uh, the first three albums. So if you include Punk Rock Academy Fight Song, which was our our biggest album, and then um, don't, and all scratched up. So, but because Sam is such a great musician and great songwriter, and because we're not, I'm a big believer in, trying different things in life and exploring and not getting stuck in a rut. And that's hard to do, you know, it's, it's hard to yeah. do, whether you're a businessman or a, an accountant or a artist or anything, you know, it's hard to do things differently, try things different. You know, uh, sometimes you fail and sometimes it's just a big pain in the butt. you know, to do, but yeah. we, um, Sam songs have gotten more and more, uh, great, uh, frankly. And, um, not putting down the other ones because I love those songs and I'll perform them to the day I die. But, you know, um, with great love, you know, but, um, you know, I'll always do gruesome Gary. I'll always do, you know, um, right or wrong. I'll always do home in the wasteland and, and last brigade. But, um, but, uh, the songs that Sam has written in the last two or three, four albums have just been, you know, he's, he's a master songwriter now. And, um, and he's a super talented guitarist. He's the closest guy I know personally to having the talent of an Eddie Van Halen. Um, he grew up watching Eddie Van Halen videos on MTV and yeah. listening, listening to Van Halen records. And he was one of these kids that would skip school and stay at home and play guitar all day long to Van Halen records, you know. And that's his style. So he was influenced by by Eddie. But um, anyway, his songs that he wrote for this one. So I come to, I've come to the conclusion that Down By Law is the XTC of American yes, the XTC and Husker do of, of the American punk music scene in 2020, 2021. I like so, that. Um, it's not, we're not the prototype. There are some definitely down by law ish songs that would fit right in on any album from any era, but um, some of the stuff we're doing and it allows me as a singer to do all kinds of different things. Yeah. And um you know, I think it's quite good. It's quite, um, it's a real, uh, you know, treat for the, for the ears.
1: So So, album's done, um, coming out early 2021. Yeah. And it's the song
0: Lonely Town, um, is, is the cover song and just a beautiful song and, you know, Sam wrote it and, you know, kind of, kind of got this dark pop feel to it that, you know, it's sort of the, the XTC meets Skardoo meets the Buzzcocks. I don't know. It's kind of strange, but it's cool.
1: I can't. I can't wait to hear it, man. It's yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. You've you've had a lot going on through, through a time when a lot of musicians are just like you know <laughs> the breaks were put on their careers. So yeah, that's yeah. that's really Thanks. exciting. I, yeah. I, I, I personally feel very uh, fortunate. I got to see you play at the Blasting Room twenty fifth anniversary. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was so great. November and that that was one of the last shows I would have gotten to see and that was a pretty special one for me so yeah that was no, that special was for
0: me too time. brother you know yeah absolutely um, what a magic night that was and the whole night was great every band was great um, all the different permutations of the all on Descendants uh, you know lineup coming out at the end obviously as a headliner and um, just fantastic the chemistry uh, the band uh, vibe, the audience vibe, everything was great, you know?
1: Yeah, it really felt like, and, and it is a little bit this way with any time all in Descendants play, like there's always like a few rows of people right at the front who like know every word, right? And it's like a, a whole kind of family, but it it felt like that first four rows instead this time was like everybody in the building. Right? Yeah, so it, yeah was, it was did. pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, it was a very special night. I was very grateful that Billy uh, and Steph and
1: Carl asked me to come up. And, you know, that was fantastic. So it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, Dave, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come sit sure, down sure. At Dad Show and share your experience. I'm wondering, do you have any final words of wisdom to, to leave with any dads or, or possibly uh, soon to be dads out there listening?
0: Uh, just uh, the greatest adventure you'll ever love the hardest job you'll ever love. And, uh, and uh, just appreciate it. Cause there ain't nothing like it. It's great. And
1: uh, go kids. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate yeah, man. it, man. Thanks for it's having me. Really appreciate and, um, hope everybody in, in the family stays healthy and, and happy. And yeah, me too.
0: And hopefully I'll get to see everybody, uh, you know, on the road. Uh, I'm hoping by next summer, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of musicians are, hoping for that. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure a lot of everybody, you know, is hoping for that. So, um, we'll see what happens. Um, just, uh, just gotta do your best to, um, get through the bad times of whatever it is and be smart, take care of each other and it's all you can do.
1: Yeah. I like that. Thanks Dave. I really appreciate take care. it. care. Thanks for having me. We'll talk again. All right. That was Dave Smalley on the rad dad's show. Thanks so much to Dave for joining us. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you'd drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook at, at @rad_dads_show. show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. And you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.